I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week, we are finishing up our look at early 2000s Japanese movies with Ichi the Killer from 2001, directed by Takashi Miike. And this... We like to keep things pretty clean on this <laughs> right. podcast. That's impossible just, with this Just film. a heads up, it's literally impossible with this movie. Yeah, like, we'll make fu- jokes before, right. but like... Sexual violence is a important part of the story in this one, so you know, just just a little fair warning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, the content of this actual episode will still technically be, um, you know, parentally approved or whatever. But yeah, any contact with this movie whatsoever, I think, uh, is yeah, deserves some kind of warning. It's uh, yeah, it's just it's not for the faint of heart, and I would say, um. It's really you should go into this movie if you have an interest to uh, what an artist can do when like pushing the boundaries. Otherwise, I think if you're just sort of like casually interested in in Japanese cinema and you've heard something about, yeah, I would say it's it's helpful to prepare yourself for this. Um, mm. And yeah, really, and kind of with a perspective on yeah, really what's what's possible at the extreme ends of cinema art. I'd still say we're in this time capsule, you know, late 90s, early 2000s in Japan. uh, We've talked about V Cinema a little bit, and we've talked about how directors have really had a chance to play around and uh, express themselves artistically thanks to that uh, home video market in Japan. And I think that this is this is right, like the extreme uh, end of that. And uh, you've got Takashi Miike here, who's. Uh, actually like an extremely uh, prolific director he's done uh, I mean literally like I think like 200 movies this dude um, and that he's done so many different types of movies too he's he's definitely become known for uh, stuff uh, I mean Ichi the Killer is kind of the 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 title that people uh, sort of put him on the map in the west yeah Mike's name from um, but he's become known as like a Yakuza film director in this new era where this kind of hyper violence. And I'd say that his influence would actually um, influence a lot of actors, a lot of directors in this kind of hyper gore, where it's kind of this really sure. over the top uh, cartoonish violence, but in a live action sense. But then he's um, also done these like family yeah movies he's done uh yataman which is like based on a 70s tatsunoko cartoon he's done the the live action phoenix wright movie <laughs> <laughs> he's directed the live action uh jojo's bizarre adventure film uh that was from last year or the year before so uh, actually i guess like to compare I, let's say yataman's kind of like um if if paul verhoven 
did a Scooby-Doo movie. Sure. That's that's yeah. actually like literally like what that is. I suppose the closest thing you have in the West is like Robert Rodriguez doing Spike the Spy. Oh, yeah. That's, movies that's a great comparison. That's yeah, what I was actually. trying to think of because I was trying to think it wasn't the Scooby-Doo movie but there was another director who had done yeah yeah that's a good Robert Rodriguez did yeah. Spy Kids and also Machete. <laughs> or actually oh, yeah. I, I mean uh, George Miller directed Babe. Um, and uh like happy feet yeah so yeah yeah these are very (laughs) apt comparisons um but yeah here we are with ichi the killer 2001 still in this kind of era and yeah it really it really challenges you as a viewer and uh he really put his uh mark on uh cinematic history with this film Mm. yeah this is a this is similar to how we handled verses. We're going to be a little fast and loose with this one for various reasons, but yeah, total. And also, um, if you, I would say, if you are interested in a beat by beat breakdown of the plot, honestly, the um, the English Wikipedia article is pretty pretty. It thorough actually feels really in, good. In like I had to here. I had to read back through it because the movie is pretty confusing too, mm. with like what exactly is happening and who's doing what to who and why, which is kind of on purpose because that's kind of a big a big point of the movie is like not knowing what's real or not so mm, yeah totally yeah anything else before we just jump into the movie and just talk about <laughs> um a i i guess i can talk about my experience with takashi yeah sure case. So, yeah um i i'm pretty sure that ichi the killer was the first miki film that i saw but i would go on to see a lot of his work and this is also similar to the juan episode i'd say this is Thanks in a lot of ways to my friend Chico. He's like really hard into um, uh, J cinema. So like all these different things were like stuff that he would let me borrow. And actually the the copy that um, I shared with you guys originally of this film, uh, I got from him. He let me borrow it. So ah, thanks, uh, Chico. shout outs to Chico. And um, I, I feel like, I mean, Audition's really cool. Visitor Q, these are films that a lot of people know. I... I me being me, I really like Zebra Man, which is like the, basically <laughs> a superhero film of uh, from Takashi Miike starring Shoaikawa, who is also kind of known uh, for working with him and kind of doing all these uh, Yakuza films from this era. Um, but uh, yeah, it's funny, actually. I was watching it for the podcast and... <laughs> I feel like I I don't know if I blocked out all of the like super violent stuff from the film, but I was <laughs> oh, man, thinking sure. about the stuff that I remembered and really the the two things that I took away that always stuck with me were Ichi's uh, heel blade, which I thought was super cool in his outfit, and that he was playing Tekken. So like, <laughs> this is me, right? This is your Carlos. brain definitely like kicked into a self defense, <laughs> a Carlos defense mode, which mm-hmm. that's awesome. the thing about that too. Is like I'm fine with gore. I don't, I don't seek sure. it out. I'm fine with like kind of uh, you know extreme subject matter. I, it doesn't bother me really. And right. but I just for some reason I just there's did something not about this movie where it's not just that there's like shock and gore. I would say. Uh, you really should be warned because your introduction to what happens in this story is with like really brutal violence and sexual violence. And um, like you were saying, Matthew, it's 
it's really kind of at the center of this story. And I don't know, I think there's just something about that subject matter. And there's almost like this psychological kind of trauma to the movie that even if yeah. you try to sort of step back and tell yourself, oh, okay, yeah, it's over the top violence. And um, I can sort of imagine how they're doing these effects. It really, yeah, it's really, um, I don't know, it's really, really troubling in a way that mm. I would say even you know, like a Tarantino film wouldn't really be troubling. Um, yeah, because Tarantino, Tarantino films are very violent and they're sexual in some ways, but they're very rarely like talking about sexual violence, like, like you know, sexual assault and whatever. Like that, yeah, that seldom when it, comes up. When it At least does doesn't come, come up. up yeah, when it does come up, it's, um, it's in a story where uh, the person who that's being acted upon will have her revenge you know yeah yeah um, it has some kind of redemption to it not where every single person it is remorseless and you know yeah you'll see totally. something bad happen to them and think oh no that bad thing happened to them and then you'll see them later and it's like oh no they're really bad too mm-hmm. yeah there's something about the world of this movie where you know pretty early on that there aren't any heroes and that no one's really going to be saved and um that's it's really powerful, but it's also it could, I could you know it's really it's really terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mentioning Tarantino. Also, these are things when you'd see it in something like a film of his would be like exploitation and kind of camp. Whereas, right, like right. in this film, there's no camp at all. There's <laughs> there's no exploitation. It's just I mean the exploitation is that you're seeing it, but right. it's not yeah, like it's slightly hey, more over the top than than like certain sequences in like old boy or something but it's i would say it's it's closer to that sort of tone where um it's it's really trying to kind of get inside your brain and um Mm -hmm. and but that's something that i admire about the film is it's uh it's incredibly bold i definitely couldn't recommend it to everyone in in my life but like i said i think if you're um at all curious or game for seeing like what an artist can do really pushing those boundaries you it's yeah each of the killers is something else yeah and i i definitely uh want to say that i i do enjoy the film and i i recognize these um like you said that this might not be for everyone but i think that takashi miike as a director is very strong and he definitely has his own personality behind the camera and um he's he handles that like the directing of this film is really cool i like the style that he does with things like some of the camera work is really interesting mm-hmm. and uh, the way that he handles the narrative i know how you were saying how it's like kind of confusing in parts but i think right. that it actually is um something that if you're really uh into it you can really pull a lot from it and i think that that's really cool and it's definitely yeah, worth totally. checking out if you're curious yeah i mean there are techniques he's using that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. Um, there are these like digital cinema things too, or it's yeah. like kind of sped up footage and kind of like these. When he supposedly came up kind of doing a lot of uh, video um, mm. made for TV kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's really effective how he's able to employ, you know, like video techniques and digital video techniques alongside the more like traditional uh, mm-hmm. film sequences. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's worth pointing out up front that this is, of course, based on a manga from just, uh, you said that it finished up about like around the same time as the movie came out. So mm. like the, the ending's a little different. And I actually took it upon myself to read through the manga before 
Dude, that's while watching the movie. so impressive. Nice. And it's it's collected in 10 uh, volumes. So, like, it's, you know, it's a bit, but it's not, like, impossible to, to get through. And it's weird to say that the movie seems not, tame's not the right word, but it's a lot more, like, at the end, you kind of feel a little bit better about yourself than I did <laughs> gotcha. after finishing the manga. So, man, dude, I'm so just yeah, just, be, so sorry. just be warned about yeah, that. No, that's the thing, though. That. It wasn't so bad that I wanted to stop because, like, it sure, is well gotcha. written and it's interesting and uh, it's messed up, but it is it's interesting and like I kept wanting to read it, but you know, it is it's pretty jacked up. Um, but uh, the movie stays very true to the to the manga in a lot of ways. Uh, the biggest, I'd say, obviously the ending's different because they, you know, had to come up with a different ending for the movie. Although it's not that much different, which is kind of mm. interesting. And the big thing is that you see a lot more of Ichi, like, figuring out, like, like you see a lot more of Ichi discovering the like the beginning involved in the criminal underworld and like gotcha um and you see that the the main character uh they call him gg in the movie oh gg um you see him in the manga is very different character (laughs) like he's he's this weird he's this weird like i think he's supposed to be like a um, like a person with dwarfism because he's like very very short like he's as tall as a as oh, a child that you see in it and mm-hmm. he's like old and super beefy and he's like doing steroids so he can keep being beefy it's it's really weird but, so that isn't something yeah, so that's you do get like some, revealed some of that his bodybuilding stuff you get that a little bit but it's but the the whole fact that he's like old and and everything is is kind of different in the in the movie wow. versus the manga that's interesting and he's a lot more like i mean obviously he's an important character in the movie but he's like almost arguably the main character besides uh kakihara and ichi in the manga oh okay cool the one thing i I wanted to say about Gigi is that in the film he's played by shinya sukamoto who who's like a very well-known director in his own right and um, actually, one of the films that we were going to cover that I thought maybe we should wait and cover later is uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man. It's like this really uh, kind of cool indie film. And he's the guy that became known because of uh, those films, oh, cool. uh, Tetsuo and the films that followed that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I've got to say, um, based on the like posters and box art that I'd seen for the movie, I had been assuming that Kakihara's character was Ichi the killer because mm-hmm. at least in the West it's that's <laughs> that's the face on everything and then when you see the cover of the manga um, it's Ichi with his like number one suit which yeah. I'm curious is that like w- what yeah, he's they... about and why he's wearing that suit is that something that the the manga actually gets into because mm. it doesn't it doesn't necessarily get into why he why that specifically but he's like he does a he does like a, I think he does a hit before he gets the suit and he then makes the suit for himself so that he can like use his um, the martial arts that he knows to, mm. to be more deadly. Uh, gotcha. And I could also see like in the parlance of manga or comics or whatever that 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 would feel more at home. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh but what i like about it in the movie is it's just another one of those elements that's kind of mysterious a little bit disorienting um but i think i think in a good way yeah i think so too uh what i wanted to talk about regarding kakihara is that he's played by tadanobu asano who's like this really like he's like a rock star in japan he's kind of <laughs> like johnny depp uh, over there <laughs> but I um that. I actually didn't look into this too much, but were you guys getting any like Heath Ledger Joker vibes from Kakihara? Oh, dude, I could, f- I you know, I wasn't thinking that, but as soon as you say it, it's like I could imagine this inspiring Heath Ledger. The I, the way that I thought of it was, well, the scars is the biggest one because sure, they sure. both have the scars that uh, along their their mouth, so it looks I'd like also they have a bigger kinda, mouth. Although yes. it's more literal with uh, Kakihara. Sure. I'd also say like just his overall kind of view towards life in Kakihara's is kind of lines up with how yeah, it's more like Heath Ledger portrayed Joker. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't, you know, think about that back then, you know, and as when whenever Dark Knight came out. But watching it again uh, for this episode, I was like, dang, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if oh dude uh, and he even was... wears like a he even wears this like purple yeah like trench coat kind of <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's I I obviously it's different mediums so different things work better for different mediums but I love that he wears like kind of crazy flamboyant outfits and has like the bleach blonde hair and everything in the movie yeah totally because he I mean he still has the the crazy scars and stuff in the manga but he has just normal black hair and he has these weird creepy beady eyes. Mm. And and that yeah, he's positioned in the middle of all these really straight-laced yakuza looking types with their yeah. slick back hair and their suits. I think it's very striking and very effective. Yeah, man. It's funny it's if this were an anime, I think um, one, you'd be maybe prepared for some of the gore a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I think you'd also be ready for the story to like push off into more like a fantasy place. Mm-hmm. And what's mm-hmm. interesting about Mike's movie is it kind of feels like that could happen at any moment. Um, <laughs> and it, you almost get some whiffs of, of things that are, you know, fantastic, but it's still it still just barely kind of hangs on to reality. Um, but it's, that's also what's terrifying about it. It's why you can't really like laugh at the violence is like mm-hmm. a defense mechanism. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that too, because uh, Mike actually has kind of become known for kind of taking the viewer, like from a grounded situation to just like an absurdist, like really crazy, like, third act of a film where like anything literally can happen i think of um uh films like uh dead or alive that which was also a film that i thought that we would cover at some point and uh, we might in this it's good i don't want to say too much about that film but that where it leaves you is like really crazy and you're like what the heck actually and i just recently i went i was fortunate enough to check out his latest film called first love and that's kind of uh, another yakuza film but it's kind of like this runaway romance kind of actually kind of like a baby driver almost but uh hmm. the oh, cool. third the third act really gets crazy too and i i think that uh he's really good at doing that and actually subverting your expectations uh, um, when you're watching something like a yakuza film it's pretty cool <laughs> uh 
<laughs> we we take notes for all the movies that we do in this and i i started to watch this movie at one point and had something else came up so i couldn't keep watching it but then whenever i came back the next day <laughs> the entirety of my notes was just the phrase what the hell's going on in this yeah. movie <laughs> It it's like it, yeah I think it's extremely sort of dizzying in the beginning and I would say it's probably intentional but I almost feel like it's even a little more confusing than the target he was going for because it's like uh I don't know I also kind of needed to rely on like rereading some synopsis stuff to, <laughs> to just to kind of confirm like okay do I have like, like the right wait is that what happened okay that is what happened <laughs> That, yeah, that happened a couple of times when I was watching this. Um, and then I think I also was getting thrown off because I was just expecting the wrong character to be Ichi. So it was like, um, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm with yeah, you th- there, Marty. Those ex- I also, those when I was watching through, I was like, up. oh, it, the, the weird blonde guy is Ichi. And then like 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, no, wait, <laughs> let me go back and rewatch all of that. Yeah. Because I was reading it completely wrong. <laughs> and you totally get why you would put him on the posters mm-hmm. um yeah because that's part of what makes ichi so creepy is that he's just a kid like he's like a 20 in the manga they say he's 22 i don't know if they do in the movie but they don't but he's but yeah he's like just a he's a young guy and he just looks like a normal young guy and that's why it's yeah. so terrifying whenever he's you know slicing people in half man yeah and then totally. crying <laughs> yeah so it's interesting i mean it's like um i know we're probably gonna be a little faster and looser with how we talk about the movie here, but it's mostly centered around those two characters, Ichi mm. and Kakihara. Um, and uh, they're both kind of consumed by violence, but coming at it from from different ways where Kakihara's character is really just like begging for it. He's like living for it. And for Ichi, yeah. it's like something that he's haunted by and he's being he's being manipulated by um, the character of Gigi to like enact this violence. And he's being like brainwashed even to, um, to carry out the violence and Kaki, whereas Kakihara is like, he's a person who's extremely in control of his life and, and, and of other people. Um, so it's interesting that this, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of great stories, you might have two central characters that are, um, kind of like opposites of each other, but here it's not as though they're opposites of each other. Um, they, in all ways, but they do represent kind of some interest, like an interesting polarity around violence. But yet, there's I, you don't necessarily root for <laughs> for either of them. Um, yeah, I would say you have. Oh, there are moments where you have a lot of uh, sympathy for Ichi, um, but and you might have some like. I don't know, weird kind of like fascination in Kakihara that's maybe not mm-hmm. that different from how you, you might react to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight or something. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just there's like this oppressive thing to the movie that kind of never lets up. Yeah. I do really like, though, that I feel like if this movie was done differently and uh, with a different director, then they would have made Ichi a little more like admirable and i love that he's completely not admirable at all like every time it feels like it's going to go into a maybe he's right in killing these bad guys then it's like nope no he's not never mind no he's not yeah totally (laughs) yeah it's almost like mika is maybe um i don't know i don't want to assume like his perspective on this stuff but like Mm -hmm. 
he's kind of yeah showing the destruction i don't know the destruction of violence in almost all of its different forms and yeah no there isn't a good version of how to mm-hmm. hurt people is almost what yeah. he's saying it's like mm. it's all all of it um just like destroys like that's the nature of it yeah. and um it's yeah, I'm with you. It's like it's really it in some ways it's like more bold that he gives you a moment of empathy for some of these characters only to like remind you of just how terrible they are. And that's I think that kind of um sensitivity uh, but also maybe kind of like boldness that's um that's something I think pretty yeah, pretty lacking in at l- movies over in, you know, this part of the world these days. So, yeah, we've talked about these characters a bit, um, but uh, let's tell you about where this plot goes. So um, they kind of throw you into things uh, right away with this film. And uh, you've got Kakihara. He seems like he's, they call call him like an underboss in the Yakuza. So kind of like uh, middle management almost. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, their, their boss is actually missing right now and um they need to find out what happened to him but um what you know is that ichi who you don't really know about much yet is basically like this assassin and he's killed them and um actually there's kind of a cool scene where i think it's maybe later or where he like kills they're like show a room just full of carnage blood lo- there's actually a lot of digital blood because this is very yeah. of that time it's it definitely <laughs> doesn't age too terribly well yeah the effects in the film uh kind of haven't aged well but i, I i'm fine with it because yeah, I know where it's coming from i get over it the practical and, effects are great like all like the weird scars and stuff on yeah, people totally. and oh yeah and everything yeah, r- brutal yeah some really brutal stuff um but yeah there's the scene where there's like an apartment that's just all bloodied up and then they kind of wipe it and show that it's been cleaned up and uh yeah so uh the main focus of the film is kind of kakihara and his kind of quest to find his boss but then that develops into uh this quest to encounter ichi that he knows is this relentless murderer and um but yeah, kind he of almost sees him as like his salvation or something. Like Yeah, there's like yeah. this sadism thing going on. Actually from like like what we were saying from both sides where it's kind of like Ichi is kind of this really like kind of oppressed person, but he kind of gets his kicks out of the carnage that he creates. And whenever he sees violence, that really turns him on. That's actually the first time you encounter him in the film. He's <laughs> seeing like this prostitute getting beaten and he's kind of peeping through the window. And when the guy kind of sees and looks out, it's actually like really crude, but they show like this plant like covered in ejaculate. And actually that becomes the title. That becomes the title. <laughs> so I, and I can say this too, that uh, the, uh, the commentary track on the U S release is Takashi Miike and the manga creator oh, of, cool. of Ichi, which That's is pretty awesome. cool hearing them talk back and forth. And the and the creator of the manga is Hideo Yamamoto. Yeah, yes. And uh, Yamamoto is asking Mike about that. He's like, oh, this is special effects. And um, Takashi Mike actually says that, I mean, it's partly an effect, but it's actual uh, ejaculate. That's... Gross. Oh, my God. <laughs> and not only does he say that, but he says that it's actually uh, 
uh, Shinya Tsukamoto's. <laughs> I have a, I have a feeling that's that's him pulling their leg. But so and this is kind of this reminded me of uh, hearing uh, Ryuhei Kitamura and Tak. Uh, talk about verses how they have these like really grand stories like Mm -hmm. there's a story that kitamura found tack actually in a street fight and asked him (laughs) to be in his movie (laughs) where it's like okay but with with takashi miike i kind of get some of those same things but i also could kind of see him being like hoping that there's a little more yeah i don't know care going on especially (laughs) he he probably didn't do that but he might have done that yeah yeah but i mean in, in all of the sequences with like really severe violence against women there's a lot of it that's happening like in camera in a way where i, mm-hmm. I yeah I, it's 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 just it's uncomfortable hard to watch yeah, it is just yeah that's that is one thing in the 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 manga also definitely has some very very uncomfortable bits of violence against women that almost at a certain point feels excessive like it feels like okay, yeah, I get it. I get that they're bad. You don't like yeah, or it's like this okay, entire yeah, chapter you're doesn't have that to this be. This character has this perversion, but like yeah, it's it yeah. You really start wonder like well yeah, who what mind could conceive of this? Um, yeah, I know that culturally in Japan is very very structured, very conservative culture, mm-hmm. and I feel like. When we see things like these films and maybe manga or anime like that is really kind of excessive, I feel like this is kind of like an expressiveness that it's like trying to break a re- out of that conservative. Yeah, like a, a release. There's almost like a metaphoric thing that we might not pick up on or something. So. Yeah, it, maybe it's a cultural thing, and I actually I can't speak to it myself, but just sure. as an observer and as a consumer of Japanese culture for so long, I've seen this time and time again. Where you know, I mean, we t- we talked about Fist of the North Star. We actually we talked about like. <laughs> seinen anime yeah. how it was yeah, saying yeah. how you know this is full of like hyper like tough looking guys and ultra violence and sexy ladies mm-hmm. all of these things i kind of feel like exist in the same space culturally and it's kind of like uh an escape i mean you know you know there's porn and stuff but mm-hmm. i don't know I, I just feel like i feel like there's these connections here and, and with ichi the killers it's definitely Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that yeah and that's the it, it's funny you said the seinen thing because the the manga is definitely considered seinen but it's like it's almost more just straight up horror in a lot of mm. ways than like because oh, because i feel like with like fist of the north star is like all about the cool action and you know and at the end of the day kinshiro caused a lot of violence but he is a good sure. guy the guy and, it's like seinen by the way of like action adventure or something yeah and this is almost more like horror, psychological horror, and then, and then of course the the horrible violence against women. That it's and that the thing that frustrates me is that there's there's one really good female character in this, Karen, who we'll get into uh, at some point, I'm sure, and she's really good in the manga too. I kind of like her in the manga more than the movie, but mm. the whole time you're kind of hoping that she'll have like some kind of comeuppance or like she'll be able to defend herself in any way shape or form and just doesn't and it's just kind of frustrating yeah it's like the only um uh yeah it's like the only female characters that really are like focused on the movie are um either prostitutes or are yeah victims of incredible abuse and Mm -hmm. um 
But yeah, the the character of Karen I thought was really interesting. I'm curious in the manga, does she uh does she sort of switch languages the way she they does in the she film? they say that she's from China, so she does speak in Chinese a little bit throughout it. But I mean, oh, gotcha. obviously the amount that she would speak English, I feel like the the ones that I was read read were definitely fan translated. So I feel like there would have been oh, some note be on the side on. that's like yeah. she's actually saying this in English or something like that. Sure, they, sure. <laughs> that's fan a super interesting doing thing that. about about her character is that. Mm. She'll go on these long spells yeah, uh, in, in, English, in English and then, you know, occasionally try to translate some of the highlights back in Japanese mm-hmm. to whoever mm-hmm. she's talking to. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, really interesting kind of like character, almost like tick or something that I've yeah, never really seen yeah. before. Mike actually says in the commentary track that that's something that the actress, uh, she goes by Alien Sun. She's, oh, I wow, think cool. she was like Miss Singapore at one point. Yeah, it's all that. That's really cool. From Malaysia. Um, uh, she she actually brought that characteristic to Karen herself. And actually he oh, was dude, talking yes, about... Yeah, it's really cool, and it makes her that much more memorable. And um, and fun fact: this movie was banned in Malaysia. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that's been. I mean, over the I think on the Wikipedia page it said like they'd screen it and give people barf bags. I'm sure it was a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you can kind of understand like the mm-hmm. angle they're taking. And it yeah definitely had been edited in other countries. I think in Hong Kong there were some edits for the film and uh, straight up banned in other countries too. Mm -hmm. I read an interesting take from, uh, I don't remember who it was. I think a film critic saying that it's like, actually to try to censor edit this movie will make it worse. Like, and we'll make the, the violence worse. Oh yeah. I totally get that. Like, yeah. Mike wants, wants you to really observe just like, yeah, the horrors of it. And maybe even what our role might be, um, in violence in the modern world and how we kind of take it in and media and everything. And it's yeah. Interesting. Mm. Definitely interesting uh, conversations to, yeah, we can, we can talk about what leads to some of this violence right now. I think, um, so Kakihara's trying to find his boss and actually leads him to Karen because she was the boss's girlfriend. And, uh, what ends up happening is he kind of hears, actually it's from Gigi that, uh, another gang, uh, the Funaki gang, one of the guys there uh, might know where Anjo is. And uh, what he ends up doing is capturing one of the the Yakuza members. I believe his name is Suzuki. And he literally yeah, like hangs him by like meat hooks. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the thing that's funny is like right before that scene, uh, Kakihara asks Gigi like, Oh, hey, give me some shrimp. You- get me some shrimp and the next scene you see him starting to fry up uh, mm-hmm. some tempura shrimp and um you see suzuki hanging and he's kind of grilling him about where the boss is and it's it's actually really well done practical oh yeah, yeah it's an amazing effect it looks like his like all of the skin from the back of his body is like splayed out into this like giant yeah it's um, yeah it's it's wow. really crazy and um uh, Mike said that it took them like 12 hours to prepare that. Oh, wow. And then it, to film it was another 12 hours. So that actor actually oh, had to dangling like, there. endure oh, that dude. for a very long time. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, Kakihara is ruthless in uh, his torture. He's 
stabbing uh, Suzuki with these. What you yeah. become, it'll become known as like his main weapon is like this metal needle, this long like maybe. Yeah, like and there's something so needle. disturbing about it. It's a really brilliant idea, and it probably comes from the manga, I guess. But yeah, that he doesn't have this like massive weapon, but that it's just this thin, thin needle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's it really kind of starts. Yeah, giving you the heebie-jeebies or whatever you call it. Yeah, it's so visceral, especially when he uses it against Suzuki here. He's doing these things where he's basically skewering him, but these are wounds that you can endure. You know, it's basically like he's giving him a piercing with this long needle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you you kind of find out that this, uh, I mean, this character is really seasoned in, um, in the ways of pain and and Mm -hmm. torture because it's actually something that he seeks out himself Mm -hmm. it's like yeah the whole the whole kind of one of the biggest themes i guess of the movie and definitely of the manga is the idea of sadism and masochism and Mm -hmm. the idea is that he kakihara is almost 100 percent masochistic like he loves getting pain inflicted on him and so he knows how much he can do to other people without it actually killing them so that's why yeah. he has is able to do these horrible tortures because he knows that it, it, it also might go away and explain in explaining sort of like how he's able to do what is so vicious. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it. You do get a sense that he's almost kind of like projecting um, his own views like on everybody else. So it's like it's almost like he expects that they they want this kind of pain too, um, which <laughs> just makes him. Yeah. Even more terrifying. Yeah, so he's really putting Suzuki through a lot here. And um, finally, the Funaki gang shows up and they're like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) But I also feel like it's funny how Miyake can do these things where there's this kind of extreme, like kind of crazy thing going on. But actually, like the actors are very casual in how they interact with things. So like there's this dichotomy of like absurd and kind of normalcy at the same time it's pretty great Hmm. yeah i'm not sure how he does it but it it somehow never gets so wild where you just like check out of the movie or you stop Mm -hmm. like believing in it actually Um, yeah you could see how that kind of normal delivery and kind of actually very human interaction while this crazy stuff's going on can actually keep you invested in the scene and i think that um Mika is really smart about handling things that way. And one thing that I've heard him say about how he directs his actors is he kind of just lets them do whatever they want. He kind of just doesn't want to influence them too much. And he actually likes to do like maybe like he doesn't like to do a lot of takes because he doesn't want it to become too artificial. So like a lot of uh, these kind of uh, big scenes were probably done in maybe one or two takes. Dude, well, it's 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 effective because yeah, there's this. Um, however, uh, extreme things get it. Like we've been saying, it um, it all feels very grounded and very real somehow. Mm-hmm. So um, this kind of uh, blew up in Kakihara's face, even though you can definitely see that he enjoyed what he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now what happens is you kind of have to kind of. Uh, ask for forgiveness this is like a yakuza thing right mm-hmm. um right. you've seen it in other films like um i've mentioned the um battles without honor and humanity series and one of the kind of iconic scenes is where 
uh, Bunta Sugawara has to like cut his pinky off mm-hmm. and for to offer it as forgiveness. And uh, this is Miyake's version of that. Yeah. And I like <laughs> yeah. in the manga they specifically they're saying like like you can't just cut off your tip of your finger and expect it to be okay. And he says, "Okay, well in that case, I'm going to cut out my sense of sweetness." Like. Like is wow. in the idea that your part of parts of your tongue control like the different sensations you get. So mm. he cuts off the tip of his tongue. And wow. I will say that's one thing that and uh, you know, I guess if if you're reading manga like slowly where like you actually like really take in each panel, it's maybe different, but for me, just having to sit and watch it just slowly happen on screen oh, is way man, worse than yeah. seeing it on on a on a page yeah it's brutal and also i mean and i think it's part of the like the actor's brilliance but what we've been talking about how he's like this sadomasochistic dude and how he relishes the pain that's totally coming across here so Mm -hmm. it's like it's weird he somehow stays in a position of power even when he's like giving this penance um it's like he he he's like relishing cutting out his own tongue and it's just it's just horrifying mm-hmm. and he's like staring right at you basically he's yeah. like looking right right into the lens while he's doing that oh my yeah. goodness and, yeah carlos like, i think you, your brain must have totally protected you and like <laughs> blocked out right the, the this, thing that's man. crazy too is just how uh, miyake just throws it in your face there's no it's like you said marty how if they would have edited it you would have ma- imagined what had just happened, but it's hard to imagine a more brutal way to show that. <laughs> yeah, like it's literally like zoomed in, like super tight on his tongue as it's being cut off. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's really well done. Um, it is. And yeah, I love and I, seeing all of the other like super straight laced yakuza guys like freaking out whenever he's doing it and like getting sick. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I'm glad they don't do in the movie that they do in the manga is almost every time that someone that either Kakihara does something like this or Ichi does something horrible to someone else, if they're getting aroused by it, that it'll literally there will be a panel. that's just a close up of their pants. Oh, oh man. <laughs> it happens a you, lot. Wow. And it's like it's town. almost you do get funny some by of the end of it. You do get a little bit wow. of that, but it's not constant you get enough of it yeah you get enough of it to get the point not so much that you're like oh my god i get it yeah that's great (laughs) i love it uh yeah i would say that's guys that's where the movie is like rides this really crazy dangerous sort of line because it's depicting these characters that have these intense sexual perversions like around violence um and it's I think Mike's movie, I think, handles it in a way where it is riding the line. It's, it's not crossing over into it, but I could see it being handled a different way where you really start to question, like, yeah, the crea- you know, the author of the thing. Because it's like, are you, in, is some part of you, like, enjoying this? Um, <laughs> yeah. Whereas I There's... think in the movie, it's like, uh, it, it does feel like you're you're meant to find it, like, horrific. Yeah, there's this, uh, I mentioned it earlier when uh, Ichi's kind of peeping on this uh, so-called couple, uh, this prostitute and this John, and 
the John like is just like brutally beating her, but Ichi kind of is like getting off on that. And then uh, later in the film, Ichi ends up kind of meeting that prostitute in the club, mm-hmm. and uh, she's kind of she's kind of talking to him like he can save her, and. I guess she just doesn't understand who she's really talking to because what (laughs) ends up happening is um, this happens again and uh, Ichi's peeping, but then that dude kind of calls him out and brings him in and Ichi's wearing his uh, work outfit, I guess you could say. It's almost like a killing uniform kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, it It is like like a thing. Yeah, kind of. It looks like it's like a BMX like Mm -hmm. outfit. It kind of has like a turtle back on it. Yeah, or that like an X Men two thousand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's very, yeah, it is very two thousand one. Very like leather and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. it, uh, most anyone listening to this, most people listening to this probably know this, but Ichi is one in Japanese, so he has a big yeah. one he on has his the back. One on his back, mm-hmm. and um, he's getting pushed to the limit in this kind of uh, abusive. John is kind of starting to pick on Ichi, and Ichi starts to cry and uh he can't really handle it but that's really when he kind of lets loose like the the killer in him and um this is when you first see like what the power of that suit is he has like this blade that comes out of his heel mm-hmm. which I yeah can't physically kind of understand how that actually works yeah i can't i guess i could see it like coming out from the side but and ejecting but actually it's kind of cool that Miike even as the director on the commentary track is telling like I don't know how it works but it's cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I kind of like and you know, um, I respect that I respect that a lot more than just constantly explaining how everything works so yeah, right totally. and and it's like nothing has to be like perfect to life especially when you're making a movie it's fantasy right yeah. so like something can just be what it is just because it's cool and yeah uh, totally that uh that blade comes out and ichi's uh what he does is he like slices that dude in half and it's like it's so yeah, crazy like with, he's like like with a blade that's on like the bottom of his foot so he's always doing yeah. this incredibly high kick that happens in a flash um yeah and that, that's and too where it feels like it's like for a second you kind of dip into something more fantastic mm-hmm. and Mike even says like the blade doesn't seem like it's long enough to have been able to cut the guy in half, <laughs> but that also like is like whatever. It's still cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, how I read Ichi's like attacks is, and this is like me like in Tekken, right? Every mm-hmm. time they show him playing Tekken, he's using a Taekwondo user in the game. Mm-hmm. So when they first show, he's using Bag, and actually it's Tekken Tag on PlayStation One. So he's using Bag at first on his team, and then the next time they show Tekken, he's playing as Horang. So these characters are based on Taekwondo. So all of the like brutal attacks that you see Ichi do in the film are all like these kind of high kicks and like dramatic kicks. So I could almost see him, you know, being this kind of like I don't know, being being very influenced by mm-hmm. like this media that he's consuming and wanting to do these same moves. Oh man, totally. In the in the manga they show him like going to I guess taekwondo classes or karate class, some kind of martial. I don't know if they specify it, but oh, they okay. show him actually like going to classes. And then before like the final big showdown, they show the people actively saying, "Oh, that's weird that Ichi didn't show up today." Mm, so. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. So he kills this guy, and then you know the girl. She kind of thinks like you know like 
I'm saved. But but Ichi being as twisted as he yeah. is, he's like, I'll be the guy that beats you now. Like yeah. that'll be me. And then she's like, What? What are you talking about? And oh, then she's man, like, dude, No, get away. And then like this kind of escalates where he ends up killing her as well. And actually we get another really good but violent practical effect mm-hmm. where he slashes her throat and it's just like kind of a geyser yeah, it's of that blood classic, coming from like, her throat. Well, I don't I don't there's probably a name for it, but like the the samurai movie kind yeah, of like geyser samurai. of blood. Geyser. Yeah. Yeah. Um I guess we have we talked much about how Gigi's able to sort of manipulate Oh yeah, Gigi. let's do that. Mm-hmm. You you can take that, Marty. Mm-hmm. Oh great! <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, well, no, I mean, you good. can no, lead, and then good. we'll, we'll um, pick it but up. But yeah, basically, um, by the this point in the movie, we've already had a few glimpses of what seems to be a flashback that Ichi has of um, when he was in high school, and uh, yeah, it's watching a friend of his get, get sexually yeah. assaulted. Is yeah, the, exactly. The but they also depict it. that he's like when he's thinking of it, he's actually like aroused. Yeah. Um, but Gigi like continues to bring up this story to him and he'll continues to try to like shape how, what Ichi's reaction was, is, which is like, Oh, she asked him or she was someone who had kind of defended him from bullies and he wasn't able to save her and that his mission should really be to save people from bullies and to, um to hurt bullies and yeah he basically yeah uses that to like pick targets Mm -hmm. yeah to to use ichi as an assassin and pick these targets Mm -hmm. and what's interesting in the movie is um there's a moment where Gigi um admits that this didn't really happen and it's it's almost a complete brainwash um that he's planted this fake memory of this thing that didn't happen to ichi um, but what's super interesting, he's telling that to the, uh, Karen character and she is then kind of questioning him in that moment. She's like, wait, it, is there something where you're like brainwashing me? And he said, I would never do that or something. There's a very <laughs> long pause before he says, yeah, super I would long never pause. do that. <laughs> but what's interesting is the way the movie plays out and it doesn't really dwell on this, but it gives you reason to, to think that maybe this wasn't a complete brainwashing event uh, by Gigi and that he um, isn't telling Karen the whole, the whole truth. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. How they play with what, what could be real and what isn't real is, is really interesting to me. And I think I like, I, I want to check out the manga now because you say that Gigi's <laughs> more of a character. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that I, there's a lot of interesting things with Gigi. He's kind of like this little, like goblin that's kind of playing everybody throughout the film he seems very unassuming at first but as the movie goes on you see that he's really kind of like the one pulling all the strings and you kind of want to know more about Gigi and um especially like at the end of the film when they reveal like how he really looks is really like whoa wait a second what's going on here (laughs) yeah but um yeah yeah Gigi he's kind of like this little like yeah, this little creepo guy that's like really messing with everyone. Yeah, so uh regarding Kakihara as as he's as we're going through this movie, he kind of ends up taking over the gang. So like they kind of realize how crazy this dude is and they're like we got to get him out of here. So they have a big meeting and ask him to leave and he's like, "All right, I'll leave." <laughs> and everybody's like, "What?" Like 
that went really well. <laughs> right. But then he comes back in. He's like, I'm taking over the gang now. And everybody's like, wait, what, what? So he ends up with a lot of followers. And actually, there's a funny little moment here where one of the guys is like, uh, he's like, all right, if anybody wants to leave, they can leave. And then one of the guys is like, I, actually, I want to leave. And then he takes one of his needles and just stabs it through his foot. Yeah. And then he's actually like walking with like debris that was stabbed through his foot on his foot so he's walking with the rest of the gang i thought that right. was kind of funny well, doesn't he say something like the oath that i uh pledged over saki i like i withdraw or something yeah um, that goes into like, like oh, yakuza do? traditions you... right kind right. of like in kung fu movies when you know like let's have tea something like that it's kind of a similar thing but yeah it's a cool cool beat and <laughs> um and yeah too just it, you know by by 2019, we've seen a lot of characters that are some form of sadistic and don't flinch when they enact violence. But um, I don't know. I think you might be right, Carlos. This is it's possible that um, Kakihara's character is like it's an inspiration for for more than he's given credit for in the West. You could yeah, you could almost see it like kind of one of these. Like Fight Club, like how come people like oh, think sure. things are cool? It's like actually you shouldn't think that's cool, yeah. but okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> One of those mm-hmm. deals. But again, that's that. that's what I like about this is that it's very much like like whenever Ichi kills someone, he's like crying, like bawling his eyes out mm-hmm. whenever he's doing it, and in a very not cool way. Yeah. So totally. you don't think like, oh man, that's awesome. He's getting at those guys. Like, oh geez, what's wrong with him? <laughs> Like yeah. this dude's crying and, then, and he has a boner. Yeah. Oh, dude. And then Kakihara's <laughs> character takes it like so far. And and you even see a sequence where you think he's trying to like get romantic with this girl. But basically for him, that means like she needs to abuse him. <laughs> yeah. Chain him up and punch him as in the roughly face. as possible. And she's doing all that. But apparently it's, it's like not intense enough for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One of the so things they cool. mentioned, you never see Anjo, but. They mentioned that uh, Anjo and Kakihara kind of had a relationship and that he's kind of looking for uh, somebody can that can match what he mm-hmm. what he received from Anjo. And that's like he's like Karen's not good enough. Yeah. The other person that we actually haven't mentioned yet that actually is like one of the characters you could almost yeah. see as a good guy sure, sure. <laughs> is uh, Kaneko, yeah. who is kind of like, uh, I would say, one rank under Kakihara mm. as uh, in the Yakuza, and it seems like he has a debt to Anjo, and he used to be a police officer, but was um, they say that he lost his gun, so he was fired. So now he's yeah, kind of like su- a supposedly like this giant mistake, and it's like mm. nobody ever lets him forget it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, well, and you, you can see how you got to remember that yeah. is definitely a different thing in in Japan because obviously yeah. in America we got guns running out of the ass, yeah. but Yep. In Japan, <laughs> right, if totally. a gun is a very, very controlled thing, and if you have a gun, then you have to, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. either you're a criminal or you have to very much prove that you're capable of, of handling it and everything. Yeah. So uh, Kaneko's kind of growth throughout the film has him following Kakihara and kind of seeing the carnage that's happening. But he also has a son that in, his son ends up encountering Ichi and actually Kaneko at some point during the film encounters Ichi as well, not knowing who he is and kind of kind of like is benevolent towards him. So yeah, Ichi's, totally. Ichi becomes kind of conflicted about this and actually Gigi 
in in his own weird motivation manipulates him towards thinking that Kaneko is like his brother. Yeah, that he should like be nice to him. Brother. Um, yeah, and yeah, and it also his son uh, Takashi. Um, he's been really inspired by uh, Ichi sort of defending him, mm-hmm. um, and so he sort of talks about you know wanting to learn karate and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that he can fight back like this guy, Ichi. <laughs> and, so, oh, we'll, we'll get into that at the end of the movie, but that plays out in a interesting and very dark way at the end yeah, of the, the yeah, manga totally. compared to the movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I, I can, we can actually jump towards the end of the film sure, right now, yeah, I think, because we've kind of got all the pieces. The only other characters that kind of don't show up to like the last like third of the movie are these two they call them detectives that Kakihara knows but like there's these really brutal like torture like twins and actually mm-hmm. both are played by the same guy oh really um oh yeah cool. they just Trap use action. doubling yeah and these dudes are really messed up and actually like some of the more brutal scenes towards the end of the film I'll involve those guys mm-hmm. <laughs> and would you believe um, it it's even worse in the manga <laughs> Oh, oh geez, are you serious? I am. Holy and that's crap. and the worst part though in the manga is that at one point whenever whenever um Ichi's finally going to kill them, then like one of them gets killed first and it kind of it it kind of feels like it's trying to make you feel like, oh no, the other person's really scared because his brother just died. I'm like, no, no, I don't <laughs> feel bad for you. Right. <laughs> Why are you trying to make me feel bad for you? Yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah what ends up happening is Gigi sends Ichi to kill Kakihara and uh this crew so there's like four or five targets that he sets and um they've all been in this kind of it's like an apartment complex with like an open like kind of atriums like center stairwell and um Ichi has gone and killed one of the twins and then um Gigi also has arrived, and actually Gigi kind of gets caught up with one of the uh, Anjo gang, actually now Kakihara's gang, and that's when you actually see Gigi kind of uh, taking care of business himself. he takes off his trench coat, and Mm -hmm. you see that he's like bodybuilder. Yeah. Muscly. um. (laughs) Which looks like something like out of like a, I don't know, like a old internet video or it like does. a commercial a yeah, european totally commercial does. or something the crazy <laughs> thing is it it looks too if i don't know it looks too good to be like 2000 era cg yeah doesn't it <laughs> i get but you like didn't you like, say like this it. guy is like actually a famous japanese director yeah um, uh shinya sukamoto he's, he's putting his face definitely, on, a, on yeah. a bodybuilders what body. miike says is that the effect took a while he it took like three months to create this oh, wow. uh, effect and actually like the guy creating the effect it's it's literally like him putting like frame by frame that face onto oh, like, gotcha. his body yeah Dude, well it great, does look great good. work yeah it did a good yeah, job it holds up amazingly mm-hmm. it looks great yeah yeah which funny because now that's like a preset on after effects or something <laughs> but... right, right. oh nice can you do that to me <laughs> i want that <laughs> i don't think i could but someone could so all right <laughs> um so he like turns this dude into a pretzel he like Mm -hmm. like twists his head and actually there's a cool it's like a pov shot of that dude's like view like twisting Mm -hmm. and that's kind of telling you that his head just got twisted all the way around Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but um 
also in this building are Kaneko and his son. So Kaneko's like really frustrated. And this is kind of where you see him really go bad too, because he's kind of down and out and everybody's looking down on him. And um, there's this uh, couple, young couple that Kakihara has been torturing, trying to find out where Ichi is. And um, he actually like beats this woman who's already been brutally tortured. He beats her to death. It's horrible. And, so yeah, it's uh, just when you thought you may have had one character in the film um, that, you know, you could kind of get behind as like your moral center or whatever. It's, uh, yep. yeah. Mike was, does not. Oh, yeah. He, he doesn't pull the punch. He, he, he shows you like mm. everybody kind of has this darkness mm-hmm. and, um, uh, what ends up happening is Ichi shows up, kills one of those guys, like I said, and then this kind of takes them up to the rooftop where this mm-hmm. kind of like this final encounter. And, uh, I think that this like it's it's probably my favorite like sequence in the yeah, whole film. Yeah, it's a really cool fight. Yeah, and it's it looks really nice. It's shot like in the daytime and and this is another one of the things where Mike said that this was like one take. Or there's like this oh, kind wow. of tracking shot of Kakihara kind of slowly making his way up there kind of he's like caught up with this like excitement and fear cuz he knows that Ichi's around and he's been like waiting for Ichi this whole time and you kind of see him wanting like wanting him to kill him Mm -hmm. and um yeah so this encounter is pretty crazy because Kaneko shows up too and um also his son shows up too (laughs) and uh Kaneko ends up getting killed in front of his son I had said a little while ago that uh Gigi's really manipulating uh Ichi and uh, when Kaneko shows up, he sees him and kind of is like, he says, like, brother, you know, like, you're here. But then when Kaneko raises his gun to him, he's really conflicted, too. And he's, like, so confused. He's kind of really coming towards him. And Kaneko, like, ends up shooting him in the leg. And then yeah, and Ichi's he, just asking, like, why, why, why? Um, yeah. But not, can't, like, like, not putting up any kind of fight. He's, but just, like, yeah, relentlessly approaching him. Yeah, and once, like, the violence starts, it seems like he really can't control himself, and he ends up uh, killing Kaneko, and this is another, like, kind of throat-slash-attack, and the really, like, sad part about that is that it's right in front of his Mm -hmm. son, because his son has just shown up, so, like, there's this really, like, melodramatic uh, scene of Kaneko kind of inching towards his son with, like, geyser of blood coming out of his neck yeah man it's it's pretty messed up so then what that uh that leads to ichi like crying and crawling on the ground with this this wound in his leg and his cries are just getting like this impossibly loud and i love that uh uh, takeshi the son runs up and just starts kicking ichi on the ground which yeah it's just like obviously it's you know this his dad just died that's horrible but it's almost like funny seeing like this very just like schoolyard bullying after this horrible murder well and it really puts ichi in his place which mm-hmm. is um and it's and i think it's especially powerful because this is all in front of kakihara and mm-hmm. miki is almost like shooting it kind of from where kakihara is standing and so it's basically who he had held up to be um, his almost great like savior of violence, the person who could finally enact on him the kind of pain he'd been seeking. It's 
has a totally different relationship with violence. Like mm. he hates it and he's like a child that has never, uh, never matured. And to see him now being kind of beaten up by oh, a real child, it's like, it's like the final straw for Kakihara and he mm. like starts unraveling basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good take. I love that. Um, so what he does is these needles that he's been using throughout the whole film. He, he sends them into the PlayStation 1 like, cutscene dimension. and <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Dude, perfectly put. <laughs> he, he, stabs him, he stabs himself in the, in the ears with uh, the needles, but it turns into this really, really bad-looking CGI, which, like, I get what he's going for, and, you know, there's not really a good way to do visualize that, but it is, yeah. you know. And it's also the kind of CG at the time that would have probably seemed really impressive. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, so even when you get the shot back, it's, I could see not having any notes. It's like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and to me, this is where the the movie, you can kind of interpret things like you don't yeah. know like what's real so like after he does that the film yeah it gets uh, color like, grading it's like blue or something mm-hmm. yeah it's like super like bright and it's almost like all whites and blues mm-hmm. yeah um, so you see kakihara look over and actually it's really shocking you see ichi standing up and you see him holding a head and you realize that it's takeshi the mm-hmm. son so ichi like He's like in desperation now. He actually looks really like he's coming straight towards Kakihara and he does this axe kick with the blade out and actually Kakihara blocks it, but the blade protrudes through his forehead and then he gets kicked like with like a a back roundhouse and Mm -hmm. he's dangling from the ledge and he's like, I love how he plays it too. It's like actually like kind of excited but like oh crap like and actually he says like oh like something like this is amazing mm-hmm. and um he falls to his death mm-hmm. so that's all the uh the end of that the color grading and yeah what you yeah. see next is Gigi walking down the staircase and he sees Kakihara laying on the floor mm-hmm. but what you then see is that he kind of brushes his hair over and you see that there's no blade wound no mark yeah. on his forehead mm. so um then you see i think you see after that just yeah. uh well he he looks Takeshi. up and he sees Takeshi looking over yeah yeah so um so you, you sort kind of, of get the sense yeah, that you sort of realize like this is some this was some kind of like fever dream yeah. vision um mm. that kakihara had towards the end I think it's really cool. I think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. Yeah, that it's probably like my favorite segment in the whole movie. Well, and it's interesting. Um, I think the uh, the location looks so different that you wouldn't automatically pair them, but it's very similar uh, that color grading and the look to how he depicts Ichi's flashbacks. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and. Um, you know, we're kind of led to believe that those aren't necessarily true. Oh, but one thing that we didn't touch on that I was curious what your guys' take was, and uh, I hate to <laughs> bring us to the sequence, but basically the section with uh, Karen where Ichi ends up, oh right, you know, killing killing Karen, and he almost has this epiphany of like, oh, the people that are telling me they don't want to do something, they actually want me to do it because they don't want me to do it. Yeah. It's like, this real like in the heart of madness kind yeah. of revelation for him. But um, 
it's interesting. She has one little moment just before she's sort of killed where she almost has a vision of what happened and um, from, you know, from his flashbacks because uh, she had come to him presumably, you know, or, you know, hired by Gigi to masquerade as the girl from Ichi's from his flashbacks. visions. But you get the sense at the very end, just before Karen's killed, that maybe she was actually the girl from yeah like well um, how much of that was visions. true like was it yeah. all completely fabricated or not yeah mm-hmm. and it's like that I don't is know, it's, interesting it's really interesting how um how he started to pick that and uh i my take on it was i was thinking maybe that she thought oh like like maybe she's like masochistic too right so like she's kind of leading ichi on saying knowing that he has this flashback and that this is this troublesome thing for him that would kind of incite him to uh be aggressive towards yeah, her totally. and she wanted that you know but then it kind of backfired on her but i like yeah I like no but actually a- so after on. the backfire it's actually there in the movie there's a moment where um she's and she's telling him like no i'm not her i'm not her um mm-hmm. And she's trying to get away. And then she kind of like stops in her tracks. And she does a similar freeze that she did when she was talking to Gigi. And just before she asked him, um, wait, have you been brainwashing me? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we're cut on her face and it shows the flashback of the girl being brutalized. And she's like, wait, you know, so it's, I don't know. It's, it's at least it seemed pretty like. Yeah, because maybe, maybe to, she to was me, also but... being manipulated by Gigi. Yeah, totally. Um, Which in I the like in the manga, the way that the the ending is the biggest difference between the the manga and the movie. So the scene with Karen and Ishi is actually an epilogue after Kakihara dies, and oh my gosh, yeah, wow. it's it's pretty different because then throughout the whole manga, instead of it being Gigi on the phone. Uh, talking to Ichi, it's a a woman on the other side, and it's kind of a lot of times it's being played as if it's a like a like a sex line, but like it's actually kind of being coded as like going killing people. Um, not all of the calls, but some of them are. And so in this scene, it's show like the epilogue scene. It's like Gigi finally getting like kind of closing the loop, I guess. Uh, getting Ichi to kill her since they're no longer in cahoots. Oh, wow. And so the biggest difference, though, is the final the final scene with uh, Kakihara and uh, Ichi and Kaneko. Uh, it plays out somewhat similarly, but the, um, the big difference is that uh, whenever Kakihara and Ichi are fighting, they're not on the roof, which I'm glad that they're on the roof. It's a really cool scene, but... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but Ichi does this like this. There's like the bring the what, what do you say it's called the kick where he like brings his leg down the axe axe kick axe yeah that's it axe kick. Um, yep. He does the axe kick, but uh, Kakihara dodges a little bit out of the way, so it just cuts his clothes open. So mm. you see like all of the weird like ropes and stuff that he has oh, on underneath his clothes, and he mm. has like multiple piercings on his genitals and mm. 
Whoa. Uh, which which is it's funny because that's like there's the weird laws about showing genitals in Japan. So like it's a weird silhouette, but you can see like the piercings. It's kind of weird. Oh, but um, yeah, nice. But uh, but so most of the final uh, interaction is Kakihara finally experiencing fear. And so he like after that happens, he starts running and Ichi's chasing after him after, you know, being like literally wanting people to hurt him. Uh, Kakihara is mm-hmm. finally running and then he gets he gets cornered, tries to jump across uh, um, with like and he gets he's running with like one of his legs gets cut off. One of his arms gets cut off. Oh, man. And he jumps across like a like off of a balcony and grabs on something. He jumps with one leg. He jumps he with does one, a one leg. leg yeah. He does a one leg jump. <laughs> nice. There's this there is a really cool panel where he's doing the jump and you'd see like parts of his fingers and stuff that got cut off from Ichi kicking at him as he's jumping across. <laughs> um and he's holding on with like just a couple of fingers and Ichi throws one of his shoes at him to cut his fingers off and he finally falls. <laughs> like Looney Tunes. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of very very brutal dark looney tunes wow um and that's how and that's how he dies mm-hmm. wow so then is is it so like then PG, like so then it ends it then the much much darker ending after that is that gg basically it, it cuts to a few years later and gg is basically says that he's done with ichi as a as an assassin and so he's training up a new kid, and turns out the new person he's training up is Takeshi. The, oh, the son. oh snap! Whoa! Yeah, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. I guess in some ways the movie is almost an exact uh, opposite of that, or at least thematically. <laughs> the ending, yeah. In the film, we end with this shot. Uh, we see these um, like school children walking by this almost like park area. And some mm-hmm. of the kids notice something in the tree. As and then as the camera is pulling back, you see that it's Gigi like uh, hung from the tree, presumably like hung himself. And then we go back to this group of school kids, and um, at the back of the group is looks like a an older um, Takeshi. Um, yeah. But yeah, like quite a bit older, like probably at least ten yeah, like years maybe, older. Or it, yeah, yeah, probably like in high school at the least. So, so I guess, or it's possible it could, you know, you could interpret that ending as maybe after the events of the. the That's true. It could be he tried. It could be the Gigi tried to groom him as a assassin, and then he was able to get back at him. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting way to end the movie because um, there's definitely some ambiguity to it. Also, uh, I wonder just how much of the audience tracks what's going on. Uh, in the kind of finale of the movie and you know what it just what is Kakihara's vision and what might be reality so uh yeah I could see the the ending raising some question marks for some of the Mm. audience but it's funny because that's like I feel like that's the stuff I was drawn to the most like that that last sequence and kind of that ambiguity like I thought that Mm -hmm. that was like the coolest stuff for me oh yeah yeah totally agree yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I I did enjoy this movie. I'm not. That's the thing. I enjoyed the movie. I'm not sure if I would recommend the movie, but it's definitely yeah, it's totally. it's interesting. It's definitely you know if you're if you're if if this is this your sort of thing, then then you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I still think it's really cool. Um. Uh. I feel like I probably don't have to watch it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like right, maybe right. like how I did it. So like I watched it when it came out, 
and then I didn't watch it till like so they didn't watch it for pockets. almost twenty years, and then <laughs> uh, so it it worked for me that way. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's funny. Um, I usually watch a movie twice for the podcast so i'll do a clean watch then i'll like do take notes so i did my first watch and actually was like postponing the second watch to take notes for so long mm. oh like, sure man oh man <laughs> oh man but i, I i'm glad i'm glad that you guys took to it in your own ways too i'm glad it was because i was actually thinking like when we recorded battle royale i said like yeah we always liked and i was like if there's a movie that's gonna really be divisive for us i think it mm-hmm. would be ichi the killer and as i was like re-watching it i was like i think i jinxed ourselves <laughs> ourselves when i said that well but that's the end of the no, podcast sorry <laughs> yep no Game no over. i mean i think this was um I, maybe this is the wrong word but i feel like it was important to watch yeah the movie I, no I, I think it's true it's it's important and you know cinematically I think Takashi Miike is very important. and um, Oh, yeah. I'm sure this isn't the last Takashi Miike movie we're going to watch. Yeah, he's done lots of great stuff. And, like, uh, I don't know. There, there's so all all different types of Miike films to cover. Like, wacky stuff that I think that is more in line with what I like. And Yakuza films and, like, the campy, fun, like, kid stuff, which is, like, really weird to think about. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah, no, that's that's Ichi the Killer. I I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, enjoy is a weird word to use for this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you I'm glad like, that I watched it. Appreciated a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't regret and, watching it. <laughs> how right, about those right. really confusing credits too? Right. Like they're, like they're going, they're going in all in different. different. Like, even if it was all in English, I wouldn't have any idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's funny. Well, thank you so much for listening to our little show here. If you like the show, then you can leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. I think you can leave reviews on Spotify. I know podcasts are on Spotify. I'm not 100% of that works, but um, <laughs> but uh, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Heroes, the number three podcast on all three of them. Uh, couple, one plug real quick before we get into what we're going to be doing next. Uh, it should be out at this point. I was on an episode of Swim Fans with our friends of the show, Alex, along with uh, his co-host, uh, talking about uh, Swordfish, which it also came out in 2001. <laughs> um, very different movie, and that's not, not a good movie, but it was a lot of fun to talk about. So, <laughs> so go check that one out. And Carlos, what is it we're going to be doing next for the podcast? So uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know we usually take uh, January off, and we are going to be doing that. We will be at MAGFest. Uh, I know that when it comes to kung fu movies, that isn't directly related, but usually you can find a couple of things related. So if you are interested in MAGFest and you are in the area, (laughs) come by. Say hi to us. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I think, yeah, yeah. Marty, you're going to be playing a show there. Oh, yeah, that's right, right with the Mercado Brothers Band. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be playing in the um, the uh, lobby bar area of the Gaylord uh, Oh, awesome. Center, which is, yeah, yeah really that's, that's moving on up. Yeah, that'll be, yeah, it'll be really, really fun. It's, uh, it's cool, the kind of like the acoustic phenomenon of <laughs> um, sound that's like playing in the center of that lobby because mm-hmm. it's kind of surrounded by 
like a U shape of, uh, you know, like hotel rooms and glass elevators and Mm -hmm. this giant glass ceiling. So yeah, some really cool like reverb and stuff that happens from that. So definitely curious how that's all going to sound. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, so, uh, yeah, but when we are coming back, so probably late January, early February, I'm really excited because we are getting drunk. Are you guys ready to get drunk, guys? You know, oh, we're, we already talked about MAGFest. I don't know what you... Oh, yeah, that, there's that. But on the podcast, we're going to be getting drunk. So yeah, dude, uh, what we're going to be doing overdue. is... Oh. Yeah, we're, we're going to be centering ourselves like uh, we, we have been and going for, like what we love and i think we're gonna start with drunken master so the podcast started with snake in the eagle shadow which is like the weird like like mirror universe version of drunken master yeah if you flip a coin this would be the heads the head side of the coin yeah and yeah um, totally i'm so excited to talk about this Mm -hmm. and we're gonna be starting a little um section of films all covering different drunken martial arts styles and it's gonna be awesome and i can't wait to record it yeah very exciting oh wait oh. and the other thing real quick is that yeah go for it there there's a big chance that we'll be able to see Ipmon four together oh yeah. that's right that's right. i don't know if that's really going to happen but i'm so excited to... oh man if it does though definitely dude so that's it's gonna we'll be... definitely if it does we'll probably do like an emergency podcast at <laughs> yeah. i think we would have it, to so. Yeah, it's gonna. Uh, Ipmon Four is gonna be released December twenty fifth in the U.S. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's gonna be like kind of like a fathom event thing where it's like a one night showing, mm-hmm. or if there's gonna be like maybe a week or two run. I'm hoping that it's a week or two run, mm-hmm. and we're gonna be all together in the D.C. area, and I'm yeah. hoping that we'll be able to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh we man. Will, we will definitely be tweeting about it if you're curious at all. And dude. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, until next time, where we might be talking about it at Mod 4, or we'll be talking definitely about uh, Drunken Master. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.